Welcome to Season 4 of the Lighting the Way podcast. This season, we will hear from all types of guests who share their experiences, their insights, and their stories. For our opening episode, I have a conversation with Charlotte Jeroma, my guardian nurse's colleague and the winner of the 2022 Patient Choice Award by the Nightingale Awards of Pennsylvania. Welcome, Charlotte Jeroma, to the season four opener of the Lighting the Way podcast. I am um, happy to start with you. Uh, you are the 2022 Patient Choice Award in the individual category for the Nightingale Awards of Pennsylvania. So uh, I'm thrilled to be talking with you today. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Betty. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an <laughs> honor to be here. Yes, it, it is a great honor. We are recording this uh, in the fall, uh, anticipating that we'll have the um, launch of uh, season four in October. So uh, just in time for the Nightingale Awards uh, Gala, which is in late October. Uh, so, Charlotte, before uh, I get talking about the Nightingale Awards, just give me a background uh, in your nursing uh, career. Tell us a little bit about your career. So just this month, I celebrated my 20th year in nursing. Oh, yay! (laughs) Thank you. I took my boards on Friday the 13th in 2002 in September. I know I was not not, uh, not superstitious until four days and get my results. So it was kind of a stressful weekend, but it was pretty amazing. So I'm happy to spend my 20 years in nursing this year. Congratulations. Um, and Thank you. through that, where did you go to school? I graduated with my associate's degree from Montgomery County Community College. And then I got my bachelor's at Immaculata. Spent most of my career in uh, emergency medicine. Started in Hahnemann down the city when that was open. I was in an interventional telemetry unit. And then okay. from there, I moved to the ICU for a brief time. And then I spent about 16 years in the ER. Wow. Wow. That is a, an illustrious. 16. So why did you go into emergency medicine? What was the attraction? I think it was just, uh, I like chaos, like organized chaos. Like you never know what you're going to get. It was always an adventure. Every day was different. And it uh, gave me exposure to a lot of different things. So you definitely had... Um, a lot of opportunities come your way, whether you're ready for them or not. Some days. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it, opportunities. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so the ER, and then you joined uh, Guardian Nurses uh, two years ago, and you are currently working as a mobile care coordinator with what fund? I work with District Council 47, the Philadelphia um, City Workers and Supervisors. And so that's the, um, how, how large is that health and welfare fund? How large is the membership? There's about 10,000 members within our fund. So with members and their dependents, we have about 10,000 people that we cover with three different mobile care coordinators. Wow. Okay. Right. So you're part of a team of three. Uh, so your mm-hmm. nomination. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about the Nightingale Awards. So Charlotte, you were nominated uh, for the Individual Patient Choice uh, Award which is unlike 
the other awards of Nightingale for best clinical nurse and best administrator, those are uh, categories that are nominated. Uh, the candidates are nominated by peers and by colleagues. Uh, this category in Nightingale is a patient nominated category. So uh, you were nominated by one of your patients' wives, I think, right? Yes, my patient. Um, I've been working with somebody for uh, just about my whole career here at Guardian Nurses, so about two years I've been working with them. <laughs> and their staff had actually nominated me, and it was an immense uh, – I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. It was such a honor to be nominated by and, a patient. And, well, yeah, it was incredible. Well, I yeah, I, I, what I love about um, when I've attended the Nightingale Awards, the patient choice winners, uh, so there's two, one is for individual and one is for team, and it is really the most um, compelling part of the evening because, uh, as you'll see, uh, the patient, uh, or or in this case his wife, uh, will get up and read their nomination letter, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, by the end of the evening there's pretty much not a dry eye in the house, so be prepared. Um, <laughs> whereas uh, the other awards are, uh, you know, as I said, colleague nominated. And while it's a great honor, um, you, you have, you know, 400 people in the room and, you know, it's a, it's a very heart-filled uh, evening. So, so let me talk a little bit about um, the Nightingale Award. So prior, you've been a nurse for 20 years. Uh, down at Hahnemann yep. and, and in some suburban hospitals. So what is your knowledge of the Nightingale Awards? So I've just learned about the Nightingale Awards over the last couple of years. Um, it is a Pennsylvania-based program. It's a nonprofit organization. It was started by nurses, for nurses, to promote and support nursing in Pennsylvania. Um, it's an organization that over the past 32 years has given out over 200 scholarships for nursing and honored more than 800 of our Pennsylvania nurses. So it's a really amazing honor to be a part of that. You know, Charlotte, I know your work at Guardian Nurses, and I, I certainly think you deserve it, um, which is yeah. why, you know, I'm proud of you as well, as are your colleagues. And that's why we're <laughs> we're all coming <laughs> by bus uh, to the uh, gala on Friday, October twenty eighth. And and I, you know, I think um, what we've talked about offline is is honoring nurses and recognizing nurses. And for my taste, there's not enough of that. Uh, and I, what I'm proudest of is that Nightingale Awards of Pennsylvania is, I think, one of the few. Uh, if if I think maybe the second Nightingale Award. So across the country, the Nightingale Awards uh, is not a, a state by state uh, honor. I think Colorado has uh, Nightingale Awards and I don't think it's scholarship based. It's more award and recognition based. Uh, and Pennsylvania has the Nightingale Awards of Pennsylvania. So uh, honoring Pennsylvania nurses. So in my estimation, Every state should have a Nightingale Awards, <laughs> and having just spent, yeah, <laughs> having just spent uh, a month in England uh, volunteering at the Florence Nightingale Museum, I certainly think that even more strongly now, uh, because again, as you will see, and and I think you've been at other 
uh, awards when when some of our colleagues have have been nominated. Um, It's a great event. It's a you know, it's a feel good event. And certainly this year you'll have uh, the recognition of being in person. Uh, We've not had the uh, gala for two years uh, because of COVID. So I think there's a uh, really excited group in Pennsylvania that's coming out. We have probably over close to 400 people going to be attending. So, um, so that's fantastic. Um, and one of your colleagues has been nominated as well, right, on your team? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. My partner, Megan Sweater, she has been nominated in a community nursing award as well. That's great. That's great. Wow. It's it's like um, the Academy Awards, right? It's just, it's great to be yes. nominated. <laughs> it certainly is. I found out I won the award when my member called me. The member called me and said, Charlotte, you won. And this person's very jovial and kind of plays around. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what did I win? And they said, you won the Nightingale Award. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I am driving down Roosevelt Boulevard in front of the skating rink, and my eyes just unleashed with emotion. I was, oh, my God. I I felt like I won an Academy Award. I was, like, (laughs) shaking and just beside myself. I was so, oh, flooded with emotion because I just couldn't. To find out that they took the time to honor me and nominate me was incredible. And then to find out I won was uh, something else altogether. <laughs> Hopefully you pulled over nurse. on the boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I sure did. <laughs> I needed to clear my eyes before I continued down the road. <laughs> <laughs> you might you probably thought you were getting pranked. I did. I really, I thought, oh, you won. I was like, oh, goodness. Like, just joke around. So I thought it was like a joke. I was like, oh, what did I win today? <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And uh, and, and then uh, I guess tell me a little bit about this case. So the wife, ha- uh, you've obviously been working with them for a long time. And uh, it's mm-hmm. been a journey for that family. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the case. And, and and how you believe your help. I mean, why did they feel so strongly that they nominated you? In your in your opinion. Um so I think with most relationships, um, it comes down to trust and it takes time for people to trust you. Now when we first outreached this member, I think our first interaction was we gave them a call to check in and we were hung up on. They were like, No, we don't need drop click, hung up. So oh. then they actually called back and we're like oh i'm sorry and then we started talking they're like no no i don't need any help and then they had actually called back and asked for some um help with some coordination of resources so from there it was like a medical record coordination and things just developed slowly from there once you take one little step it really leads to a long road. So I think over time, just earning the trust and developing a relationship with somebody is really what um, is important. Yeah. And, and I, I know I've heard that um, I've heard that similar kind of uh, early, <laughs> early interaction with patients a lot at guardian nurses, because people may not know who we are or why we're calling at least. And I know certainly uh, in your health and welfare fund, that happens a lot or more often than we'd like to admit. Uh, But 
because of your persistence, all three of you, I think you <laughs> prove uh, to patients that you're there and, you know, you're there to help. And once they understand that, I think it is, to your point, I think it's a, a connection with people. And certainly in this case, particularly uh, a two-year, maybe year and a half relationship of great trust and great support, which obviously mattered to them enough to nominate you. So, you know, I didn't realize that they had hung up on you at first. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's so quite a turnaround. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It certainly, certainly is. But, you know, not all relationships start, you know, <laughs> off like sunshine wow. and roses, right? <laughs> yeah, wow. So when you think about the protracted course of this case, like what is it in your mind that, was the takeaway like what are what are some of the 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 more compelling takeaways from the case other obviously trust right you 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 proved you were trustworthy you you did what they needed to do or what they asked you to do early on which created a uh, a foundation of trust but but what else in your work with them do you think mattered i think um following through and making things happen um, when people are going through complicated medical issues, they have so much on their plates to worry about. They have their disease process going on. They have families. They have um, treatments and different things they have to worry about. And there's so many other little details that uh, get pushed to the side that are so time-consuming and uh, burdening for people. Things simply as getting a test scheduled, like a CAT scan or an MRI. You have to go through pre-authorizations and getting things um, done with incapitation and all these different insurance things. And these little things add up to be really big things and become time consuming. Somebody right. could be on the phone for a half hour. Well, while you're trying to help your sick spouse, raise children, have a job, there's a lot going on. And I think a big part of it is it's okay to ask for help. It really okay. takes a village that you need to, <clears throat> Um, form your village and move forward. That asking for help is not a sign of weakness, that it is okay to have people on your side. People do care. And in those moments is when people really can step up and show you that they're there for you. So it has been a real honor to be there for them as one of their people in their village during their journey yeah. here. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think that is uh, probably one of the biggest hurdles that we, we have as nurses, even personally, right, to, to allow help. Um, and I think when, in this case, what I know of it, you know, is that the patient was pretty sick and his wife, I think there's, are there twins involved? Are there children? Yes, they have two young children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and she's working full time, so it's an enormous responsibility on her, an enormous stress on her. So to have you as a trusted advisor and someone who could navigate the healthcare system more effectively, right? Because you know who to call, you know you have the the contact information to get that test approved, could be immensely helpful. I can see why, you know, there would be an easy relationship once she began to trust you. So, um, you know, I think that's important for all of us for, for any, any time, even, you know, as a patient in the healthcare system, you want to know that somebody cares about you and is willing to help. Right. I think that's one of the, 
the toughest things now in our healthcare system um, because of the after lingering effects of COVID and staffing shortages. I mean, you're seeing that now in your current day-to-day work. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, there is definitely nursing shortages all over. Um, I think there's just general employment shortages, just people answering phones and doing intake things. And um, so it causes delays, a lot of delays in care. And sometimes you have to be very persistent, like just to make an appointment or you get told an appointment is six months out when you really need to see a doctor more urgently. So you have to learn like the little ins and outs of um, the healthcare system, like make sure you go on the wait list, the cancellation list, and try, keep calling every day if you need to, to try to get into an appointment. Because appointments do come up, but they don't always have the availability to give a person a call. So right. having somebody on your side that can do those things is really very helpful too. Because right. you can't always fit that into your daily life. Oh, no, that's true. Whether you have children, whether you're working, it's just, it's overwhelming, right? Because you're stressed. And if it's you, the patient who's actually sick and not feeling well, mm-hmm. you know, the thought of having to stay on top of potentially a newer appointment um, can be nauseating. So, so Charlotte, you, you've had 20 years in healthcare, right? So that's a long time. And certainly now, in the last two that we know of with COVID and the lingering effects of COVID. What do you think, like as you interact with nurses now every day, you know, you're, you're visiting doctors uh, offices every day, you're seeing the, the real time of what healthcare looks like. What does that, like when you look at that, what, what are your takeaways for how the healthcare system is working now? I I think there has been a huge impact since COVID. Like there's been so many ups and downs and um, things like that within our field. I think now we're in a cycle where people are exhausted. Like I think our nurses and the staff are really tired from working through being short staffed and having so much more put on them as nurses. So I think that's hard to see our different colleagues go through that. Okay. Do you, do you do you experience that when you're visiting a patient in hospital, can you tell or like are you picking up on things like nurses are complaining or, you know, what 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 are you assessing when you're in the hospital that, oh, brother, right, this is bad? I mean, you definitely do hear people. Um, there's some, I mean, people have chatter. People need outlets. It's not good to keep things in. I mean, you shouldn't do it with an earshot of people, but sometimes everybody's human. You do hear, overhear some things that maybe you weren't intended to hear. Um, there's a lot of frustration in the field that people have higher um, ratios on floors. Um, they don't have the support staff in place that they need. Um, and I think it kind of spills over to the patient where they feel like they're waiting longer for things and of that nature, um, and they feel like they're pulled being pulled in too many different directions, unfortunately. So what, what, when you say ratio, explain that for our listeners. Uh, so ratios on the floor is how many patients each nurse gets. So okay. like in different, they have different um, standards of how many patients each nurse can safely take care of. So when you were on, at, on a, the, uh, down at Hahnemann in a med surge unit, what was your ratio? How many patients were you responsible for? 
that was 20 years ago. So let me think. <laughs> I think it was probably, <laughs> I would assume it was between like four and six, depending on the acuity of them. Sometimes right. we had people had like different levels of care that required different things. So they tried to balance that out based on their acuity. And what, what do you, what are you seeing now? Just kind of anecdotally. I mean, I've heard ratios up to seven and eight for different floors, um, which is it's very scary. I mean, even in the emergency departments in the different area hospitals, you just hear ratios going higher and higher that people need nurses and people are asked to, and nurses are being asked to take care of more people at a time. Right. So if your if your ratio is going up and you're still the same nurse, what can that potentially lead to? So having more responsibility as a nurse taking care of more people, um, your time is spread more thin. You don't get to spend as much time with your patients. Uh, things become more rushed. And I think patients, um, the quality of care that you want to give as a nurse isn't always able to be there because you just don't have the time that you have so many other people waiting for you that need the same thing. Okay. So Charlotte, you uh, here's the $64,000 question. No pressure. You're the 2022 Nightingale Award Individual Patient Choice winner, okay? You're it. So I want to ask you if you had a magic wand and could fix just one thing in healthcare today because of your esteemed status, what would you do? In the perfect ivory tower world of healthcare, I would love to see more people enter the field of nursing and get the recognition for being a nurse. Nurses don't go into this career for recognition. Um, when you get the appreciation and feel valued, I think that's when nurses thrive um, and want to be in that working environment. I think that if we could fix the nursing shortage, that would be the answer. Nursing is an amazing career and it offers so many different things. There's so many things in nursing that you can do um, that I would love to see more people be a part of this field and get the personal and professional benefits of being a nurse. Well, Charlotte, that's a great, that's a great answer. Now that <laughs> you do have the magic wand. so. <laughs> so I won't put too much pressure on you, but I do think obviously we have to get more people interested in nursing. Um, I think uh, to solve that is is uh, probably a Nobel Prize uh, waiting somebody. Um, so now that you've gotten the Nightingale Award, I think maybe you should start working on the Nobel Prize. Next up on the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I certainly agree with you. I think that nursing is a wonderful career and certainly has been a joy for me after 36 years. But uh, it's nice to know that you still you can you can tell every day that you still have a passion for patients. So congratulations again on your award. And I look forward to celebrating with you uh, on October 28th. Thank you, Daddy. I do look forward to celebrating, and I will wear some waterproof mascara because I'm sure my eyes will be <laughs> very uh, with emotion. <laughs>
I'm sure they will, as most of ours will as well. So, Charlotte, thanks for joining me uh, on the on the podcast, and um, really uh, have a great have a great month. Thank you so much, Betty. You too appreciate. It. Right. Look forward to October twenty eighth. Yep. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.